Today on Locked On Red Wings, our individual top three reasons why the Red Wings could be worse this season and how the Detroit Tigers tie in. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher, and down there is Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950. Well, Scotty is host at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. I don't know how you got down there, man. That was so strange. You know, you were right side by side during the cold open, but we came out of it and are you down there? begging me to tell people that it took you five tries it to did get not us t- a minute a into the show? That is a lie. It took it's three. Not- it was, it was not. This is was, this is literally five. This is literally the third, and the first no, two is because we couldn't actually. stop laughing. So it wasn't that we screwed up. We were just having a good time. One of us was. Well, I know I was having a good time. So, well, I'm all that matters, anyways. Um, on today's episode, the top three reasons, our top three reasons why the Red Wings could be worse this upcoming season. They could. Our individual top three reasons could overlap. They could be different. So there could be anywhere, I guess, technically between three and six, if you want to get technical, but it's our individual top three reasons. Yeah. We wanted to also try and find um, some unique reasons that weren't just like, if the opposite of the reasons for that we did on the last episode, you know what I mean? So yeah, there there might be more overlapping in this one than um, on, on whatever Monday's show, but yeah, still a, a lot to talk about with this team. Well, and on that wonderful note, Coaching. <laughs> coaching. Coaching. I want to get that one out of the way first because it's the one that overlaps the most with what we had talked about on Monday's show. Um, it is, I mean, it's just honest. You know, as much as Derek Lalonde and the staff he has accrued could pull this team out of the basement back to contention, the coaching could also have the opposite effect. It's very possible that the guy that Steve Eisenman has fi- hired, almost said fired, guy Steve Eisenman has hired is not the right guy and that the scheme doesn't revolutionize this team's play style and they don't get any better. I mean, that is a real um, reality that we all have to stare at because of the fact that, again, as much as we've seen the praises out of everything that Dirk Lalonde has said and things he's accomplished as an assistant coach at the NHL level and head coach at the AHL level, he still has not proved it as head coach at the NHL level. Now, again, he's got guys like Bob Bugner, who's been an NHL coach uh, with the San Jose Sharks, albeit pretty unsuccessfully, but that team was not really built to succeed either. The reality is, is anytime you bring in a new head coach, it doesn't even matter if it's full of experience or not. It could turn out badly, and you roll the dice even more when you don't have that proven track record at the NHL level. Now, again, I don't think this is what's going to happen. I trust Steve Eiserman's pick. I like everything I've heard out of Derek Lalonde. He seems like the type of guy that's going to come in and not only be relatable to the players, but get the most out of them. We both are in agreement on that, Scotty, but we have to face the reality that there is face the reality. There is a reality that the team could not respond to that. And they do get worse than they were last season. Instead of having one half season where they were phenomenal, not phenomenal, but competitive and then fall apart. They could just be bad right out of the gate and then just fall flat the entire season. That is a reality. So unfortunately, as great as it could be, 
head coaching is also my reason number one, not just head coaching, but the coaching staff in general is my reason number one why this team could be worse than it was last year. Yeah, for sure. No, like it's it's the only one that you really you kind of have to bring up in on both sides of, of the spectrum, right? Like you really have to bring up coaching and reasons why this team could be a lot better and in reasons why this team could be a lot worse. And uh, I think that it's first year of a new regime. Like that's really all there is to it. And and we're going to see what is going to happen. Uh, and with all the things we talked about in, in the best reason, you know, we don't have to re go over every single thing in, in depth, but like the the special teams, as I've said a million times, is obviously a big thing. And then just like even strength, like the the, the we talked about on Monday, like zone entry was a joke. No matter how many uh, of how, no matter how many winged wheels were on the ice, right? Like it, it was just power play, penalty kill, full strength. Like it didn't matter. It was it, it was really really poor zone entry. The the you know, playing not to lose the ultra conservative style of hockey. Like all of it is just, I want it all out the window. And so bringing in an entire new system because you bring in new coaches, plural, and one of those obviously being the head coach, you're going to get a a completely, hopefully a completely new uh, look for this team. And it's just a matter of whether the, the new strategy and the new plays and, and the new style that's implemented is going to uh, be a benefactor for, for the Wings this year or or keep them down like I'm, we have seen for the last couple of years. You look at what they did last year, or I guess the better way of saying it, what they didn't do last year, yeah. and you, you look at their special teams, and we've talked about that on it. It's hard to imagine that getting worse because their penalty kill was literally the worst in the league, and Correct. their power play was 26th in the league. But it could get worse. And you look at their standings, they finished 8th from last in the league. That could also get worse. Now, this is like the absolute worst case scenario. But you look at what hap- what's going on with other teams around um, professional sports. You want to compare it to another sit- team in Detroit. And we'll get into that full comparison later because that's you know a different reason. But the Detroit Tigers were a bad team last year. They got even worse this year. So it does happen where these things can happen, where you bring in a new regime. And obviously, AJ Hinge came in last year. They had a pretty good year. But for the purpose of this argument, you bring in a new regime that's supposed to make things better. You bring in a lot of new people and it's supposed to make things better and they don't. And so that's what I'm afraid of with Derek Lalonde is that just because you bring in a new guy doesn't mean the team is going to get better. Just because you go from um, Brad Osmus behind the bench doesn't mean you're going to get AJ Hinch. Sometimes you got to go to a Ron Gardenhire first. So you like the guy, but he's not the guy who's going to bring you back to the winning ways. So that's what I'm afraid of with the Detroit Red Wings is that Derek Lalonde, even though he's saying, saying all the right things and everything we've seen out of him in his past points the direction of someone who's had success, even if it's not at the head coaching level, he's going to get there and he's just not going to be the guy. You know, if you want to make another comparison, Matt Patricia had umpteenth success with the New England Patriots, didn't he? I mean, Super Bowls, man. He won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. He comes to the Detroit Lions organization, all pumped up, supposed to be the smartest man in the room, and then the players hate him. The players hated his guts, and he's an awful head coach. And then he's ousted, what, three seasons later? I mean, that is a reality, too. Again, I don't think that's going to happen, but these situations do happen. That Just because your team is looking to compete and take that next step, they don't always 
do it. And so it it is something to be said about the fact that you could have all the pedigree in the world and your previous experience, but doesn't make you mean you're good at the head coach's role. Yeah, no, I I mean, at the end of the day, this is like you said at the beginning, this is not something that either of us think is going to happen. Oh, absolutely not. And and we are all, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big believer, but when you're looking at if you were to rank again, like the three biggest reasons as to why after game 82, we're looking going, where did it go wrong? Coaching is going to be on there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, when we come back, we'll move on to, I guess that we shared that reason, right? That was both our number ones. Uh, I had a different one. Yeah, different one. one. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to that then on the other side of this break. But first I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new new favorite, cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they are a whopping 15 grams of protein. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they are healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough and a light, fluffy texture. So good. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack before you work out, a late-night treat, or you just want to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab grab yourself a Built Bar. Wow, butchered that sentence. Go to built.com, use your promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. We cut nothing out. Sometimes we do. (laughs) Sometimes we have to. Uh, Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Uh, Scotty, did you want to say yours now or did you want to say it? Mine's not like a super in-depth thing, so I, I think it makes sense to get this one out of the way early. I I think that one of the possibilities, and again, this is not a, a campaign that I think this is going to happen, but one of the reasons that we could look back on this season and think that it, it really went wrong somewhere and that we didn't live up to what we expected would be if the main young core doesn't live up to what, they not obviously we're not career expectations this is year two for like cider and raymond but live up to the expectations of what they were supposed to be in year two and and build off of that first season i think that that's uh you know everybody hears the sophomore slump thing all the time and raymond really cooled down in the second half of the season after a really hot first half and i don't think too many people are worried about marit cider really at all but when, when you are pointing at you know, Raymond Sider, what we're expecting or not expecting out of Edvinson this year, what we're expecting or not accept, expecting out of Berger in this year, Valeno. Like, there, there's, a, there's a really large core. I mean, if you throw Zadina in there, there's a really large core of, like, people that are, that are 22, 23 years old and younger and just quite a few of them took a big step last season. And I, I think there's a real... If things were to go sideways in this season wasn't to be what we expect it to be, which is another step forward, that then I think that that could be a reason as to why that happens. 
I mean, those are real, real things that could very well happen. I think out of everything we talk about in today's episode, I mean, that and kind of overlaps a little bit with my number two, which I'll get to in a second. I think those are the things that are the most likely to happen if this team is going to take a step backwards. And that's sophomore slumps out of Raymond and Cider. And sophomore slumps, not a myth, guys. Like this is something that happens to players all the time. And I've talked about it before. You know, players get to the NHL, they explode. They're fantastic. They're dynamic. But then NHL teams get tape on them. They figure them out. We saw it hit. We saw uh, the NHL teams adjust to Raymond last season and saw how he didn't necessarily finish at the hottest of streaks ever. He still was producing at a decent pace, but not the greatest in the world. Sider never really got hit with that, but projections are saying, however much you want to put faith in those projections, that his defensive capability takes a step back while his offensive production probably stays around the same. So sophomore slumps are a real thing. So I, I think there's definitely merit to the youth not living up to expectations this season, especially when you lump in guys like Simon Edmondson. I think there is a big belief amongst NHL fans or Red Wings fans in particular that Simon Edmondson is going to make the NHL roster. But Steve Eiserman signed all these guys to contracts to say, you have to earn it. And I think he definitely could. I've talked about it in the past. I think he could outperform Haig. I think he could outperform Osterle. It doesn't mean he will. And that's why Eiserman did it. Eiserman says, like, I'm not going to just give a guy a contract spot or a roster spot. These young guys have to earn it. So there is a real room for, I don't want to say error, but room for disappointment if Raymond and Sider take a step back. A room for aggression, I guess, is the better word. A uh, better word sure. for Raymond and Sider to take a step back. Edvinson to not make the team. Berger to never see minutes at the NHL level, and Zadina just to remain a twenty to thirty point player. Yeah. So if those things happen, I mean, that's a huge blow because if you look at the production you got last year, it was mainly from Raymond and Sider. That's just such I, a large percentage, uh, you know, especially like you talk the people that you all just mentioned, and then I mean, again, like you can add Valeno to that. You can, like there's a there, add the goaltending into it. Right, exactly. Like that's just such a large percentage of the team, and and um, that if the if the youth movement in this like young core that you've built and are building around doesn't take the step forward, that maybe you know even if your free agents are good and and Larkin continues to be at you know his production, that's uh, that's something that just those players aren't going to be able to carry the youth over the finish line. So, so. That, that does overlap with my number two, which it talks about not just the youth, but certain types of players on the team who big, bigger things are expected of this year. But I do want to say that to number th- till segment three, because that's where I'm going to make my comparison to the Tigers, like sure. my bone compare, like equals comparison. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but you get my point. Um, I'll go to my other one then first, because I think we're going to be able to do the whole segment <laughs> with the comparison to the Tigers. I do think that... Not necessarily the Red Wings will get worse, but that the rest of the Atlantic division either stays just as good or the rest of the division gets better faster. And this is a conversation we had with uh, the Lockdown Senators boys just last week. Senators are looking to take a huge step forward this year. They're lockstep with the Red Wings in rebuild, and they made huge moves this offseason in acquiring Dabrinkit, signing Claude Giroux. Uh, they are a team that's poised to compete, and this is an already stacked division. So it's not necessarily that the Red Wings will get worse, but they won't get as, they won't get as good as fast as the other teams they're trying to compete with. You know, the Panthers, even if they take a step back post uh, Huberto and Uyghur trade this season, they're still going to be a top three team in this division. The Lightning are going to be there. 
they may have aged another year, but they're still the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be there, even though they got worse than that. I don't know what they're doing there. You know the Bruins, despite injuries to Marshawn and McAvoy, are going to be there because they're getting Bergeron back. They got David Krejci back. I don't know how good he's going to be after taking a year off. And they're getting um, – they got Pasternak, Krejci, and Bergeron. I mean, that three right there, just starting the season is great. And they're going to get Marshawn back. They're going to get McAvoy back. And it's going to make the team a lot better. So you got those five teams right there you're competing with. You look at the young core the Buffalo Sabres have. I think they're probably a year or two away. But the Sabres have their number one on Corey Pronman's pipeline. I mean, that, that's for a reason. They've accrued an incredible amount of young talent. And they're rolling the dice really hard in Tage Thompson. But he's been great this last season with uh, the Buffalo Sabres. So... Not again, not necessarily that the Red Wings are going to get worse, but that the other teams in this division are going to get better faster. And it's going to keep them down there in that basement of six, seven, or eight. Yeah, we're locked up on that one for sure. I, I think that that is a, a very real possibility. And, and look, there's a chance that the Red Wings get better enough that they can still combat, you know, the, the rest of the division getting better. But uh, bless you. Holy cow. That looked violent, man. Oh my goodness. You know, I that muted was... my microphone so you wouldn't have to bring attention to it, but go on. Yeah, that was, <laughs> there's no, if they're watching on YouTube, there's no way they missed that. that my was allergies have been kicking my butt today. Yeah, I feel you, man. Um, but no, I, I think that that's a, a, a very real possibility. And I think that it is, like I said, it is possible that we get good enough to where the rest of the division can get better and we can still see that improvement we want, which is obviously best case scenario. But I, there's a, there's a, this is a division that, as it stands, has the potential to be really strong, like seven deep. Like everyone yeah. except Montreal is is kind of in in a position where they can take a, a a step forward or maintain what they did last year. If you're talking about the top four teams, so yeah, we're we're very much lockstep on that one. I think that's a. a I don't know if concern is the right word because you can't really control what other teams do until unless they play you. Um, but it, it's definitely something to keep an eye out for when you're talking about, you know, at the end of the season, if, if we're trying to analyze how much we improved and how much better we got there, it might be difficult if, if, if six other teams in our division all took big steps forward, it might be difficult to be like, Oh, well, like I thought we played better, but here we well, still are at, you know, six or even seven because everybody else took bigger steps forward. And that brings me back to a quote that you said a couple of weeks ago is somebody's got to win these games. So we could make the argument that six of these eight teams get better this season. Seven yeah. out of eight these te- of these eight teams get better or maintain. But if you don't win those head-to-head matchups, then it doesn't look like you got better on your record. It doesn't look like right. you got better on your goal differential. So, and you're going to play most of these games in division every single year. So if these other teams got better faster, you're not going to know the difference if you got better or worse than the year prior, because now these teams have maintained that gap or overtaken you or widened that gap. So when looking at reasons why the Red Wings could be worse than last year, I think it's very fair to look at the Atlantic division as a whole and just look at the juggernaut that it's become, but also keep in mind that Scotty, there's up to five playoff spots available, 
but only three of those are in division. The other two, you have to also compete with the Metropolitan Division. And the Metropolitan right. Division has some heavy hitters. They got the Rangers, who are up and, up and coming stud of a team. You got the Carolina Hurricanes, who are a 100-point contender year in and year out now. You have the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals, who are aging, but are still sticking around. Now you also have to worry about the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets with Johnny Goudreau. So you got five teams right off the top of the head in the Metropolitan Division that are going to be com- competing for their own divisional spots and then those last two wildcard spots. So you're not just competing with one, two, three, four, five, six of your own division. You're also comparing competing with teams four and five in the Metropolitan Division. So it's just – it is a, not just a tough division, but a really tough freaking conference. Yeah, I think we have the toughest division in the hockey right now, but the conference as a whole is just stacked. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, when we come back into segment three, though, we'll talk about the uh, biggest elephant in the room and as to why the Red Wings could be worse this next season coming up. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, you know what? I'll let you set the table because you know the timeline way better than I do. What did the Detroit Tigers do and say this season coming up before the season began? Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, even though we said at the beginning of literally every single show, I host Locked On Tigers. You do? Um, and they are, uh, yeah, that, that is definitely my my area. Oh, wait, were you the, up last night? The, yeah, right. Golly. That was like the most annoyed I've ever been on air. If you just want to watch someone to be just pissed off and <laughs> tired and like cranky, Go, go watch yesterday's episode. Maybe even today's. Who knows? Maybe we'll lose 10 nothing again. But the, the timeline for the Tigers, they last season, going into 2021, we were told, you know, AJ Hinch comes in. We were told that we were going to hopefully take a step in the right direction. They did. That this was a, a team that had a chance with a week or two left in the season, still had a very real chance of going 500. They only finished a few games under 500. They had a really solid season in 2021. So after 2021 is when we were told not only by management, not, not only by the front office and general management, but also by ownership, which for those who... Uh, Obviously, the ownership of the Tigers is the same as the Red Wings. We were told by ownership that 2022 was going to be the year that we took the big step forward and were contenders and that the Detroit Tigers, I think the exact quote from Chris Illich was, the rebuild is 100% over. And he went out and signed big contracts, <laughs> signed big contracts, uh, to Eduardo Rodriguez, gave big money to Javi Baez, uh, traded for Austin Meadows, who who was a was an All Star uh, last two, last twenty last season, two seasons ago. Um, Tucker Barnhart, who, who's won Gold Gloves, traded for him. Like went out and and really was the most aggressive we have seen the the at the time the Alavila regime really ha- had ever been in, in a in an off season. And uh, really go out and and we were going to add top prospects and Spencer Torgelson and Riley Green, and we were going to add all of those pieces, all the all the outside pieces that we got and spent big money on and traded prospects away to get plus the team last year plus the top prospects that hadn't made the majors yet, and they were all supposed to be on the team this year, and it was supposed to be the best Tigers team 
in over half a decade and and, and really uh, start being legitimate again. And uh, for those who who maybe aren't Tigers fans but are Red Wings fans or don't follow baseball, the Detroit Tigers are having a catastrophic season. Uh, they will be one of the likely three worst teams in all of baseball. Uh, they will eclipse 100 losses in the last month here in the season. They are on pace to have – not only do they comfortably have the worst offense in Major League Baseball this season, they are on pace to have one of the worst offenses in the history, in the 120-year history of the World Series era of Major League Baseball. Um, it is the worst – possible case scenario across the board everybody they brought in has significantly underperformed all the prospects they brought up have significantly underperformed and everybody who was on the team last year has significantly underperformed so uh, definitely a Murphy's Law season but in it was all started by us being told that the rebuild was over and going out and spending a lot of money and and being really optimistic about the season so when you look at, at that and then look at the Detroit Red Wings, you immediately see a lot of similarities. And mainly being, you know, you have a fresh coach. Now, obviously, A.J. Hinch came in last season as prior to this season. And they played well last season. But my point being here is you had career years out of players that you didn't expect to have career years out of and players you expected to have career years out of. I mean, who the hell was Akil Badu before this last season? And now where is he? You know, Torkelson was supposed to come up, and he did, and he didn't play well. Riley Green's been okay. You look at the Red Wings, you have you have uh, Raymond and Sider, who had a fantastic year. Look like they could be the pieces of the future. They slide back. You have Simon Evanson, who's supposed to make the team. What happens if he plays really poorly? And this is a lot of what-ifs, and this is very much, as you say, Murphy's Law. And that's why number three on this list is quite literally, it really just doesn't work out, which is something that could happen. You brought in an influx. You spent big money. In the offseason, bringing in Ben Sherratt, Andrew Kopp, David Perron. Perron and Kopp, by the way, had career years the previous season. So you're bringing in guys who have the best years they've previously had, better than they previously had. You pay them big money to come in. If these players do not play up to the caliber they're supposed to, if their flash is in the pan, which was the point I was alluding to in last segment, if the players who had career years in Larkin, Bertuzzi, Kopp, and Perron are flashes in the pan those years, and they regress. And so does the young talent. And the young talent that comes in doesn't impress the way they're supposed to. This could be a catastrophic season. Again, not trying to fearmonger. I don't think this is going to happen. What's happened with the Tigers this season is bizarre. But the point being is one of the reasons why they could be worse this season is just things fall apart, and it's a domino effect. And it's just this is something that every team has dealt with or not every team, but the Tigers have dealt with this season and something that the Red Wings could very well deal with as well if they don't get off on the right foot. It really starts in game one. The main difference here, Scotty, between what the Tigers are experiencing and what the Red Wings are experiencing or could experience, and you know, besides the obvious, no, it's a different sport, is what the general managers have and haven't said. No one with the Red Wings has shot their mouth off and said, this rebuild is over. Steve Eisman, in fact, has done quite the opposite. He the says, rebuild is over when it's over. He said, the rebuild's over when it's over. How long have I been here? Year Three years. Okay, so it's year three of the rebuild. Right. Steve Eiserman isn't going to say anything definitive to raise expectations. We raise expectations because we see what is coming together. But Eiserman recognizes that things can go wrong. And that's why 
when you're making this direct comparison to the Detroit Tigers, that everything that can go wrong will go wrong. It's very much a big question mark. There's no nothing saying that this is going to happen to the Red Wings, but it is very much something that can happen. And we've seen it happen before with teams in Detroit, obviously, most recently this year's Tigers. For sure. And, and, and I think that starts with like, if you really wanted to pinpoint and not just make a general statement of like it, it, you know, it just doesn't work. I, I think that the direct comparison there starts with all of the players that weren't on the team last year. Like there is, and obviously the Tigers, everyone has just been absolutely horrific. So like, that's not a, that's, that's a, like you said, that's a whole different thing where there's like nothing works, but if you want to pinpoint, you bring in all these other players from outside of the organization and it would be choosing wrong across the board, right? Yeah. It would be, like you said, a lot of these guys had career years. Maybe we're coming off of career years. They get paid. They kind of slide back to maybe what they were before their career years or just completely implode like we've Bias. seen with the Tigers. Matters. Like there's, there's just that, that is where it's gonna, it's gonna start. If there is a domino effect that does happen, it's going to start with noticing, okay, none of these other guys that we brought in, which is quite a few for this yeah. year's Detroit Red Wings team. This is a very different roster. If we look around, you know, a couple of months into the season and go, none of these guys were hitting, uh, that's gonna that's gonna be the the start and then the remainder of the season you're gonna go okay well this is just gonna spiral out of control because that's what happened with the Detroit Tigers um now again we've said it a million times I I don't think either of us think that's gonna happen and the biggest difference and I'm sure somebody has not watched the whole episode and already commented this the biggest difference is one of these teams Alavila was making the signings and the trades and bringing in all these excess players from outside the organization or not making the trades. And that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. And the other is Steve Eiserman. So I, I like our odds to not repeat what the Tigers have done, but just for the sake of the argument and just to play devil's advocate, nobody expected, you know, you can, Try to take a victory lap all you want. Not a single person expected the Tigers to be this bad. Yeah. So in the end, again, this is reasons why it could go wrong, not why it will go wrong. Everything we've said in this episode, we, I, I mean, if we're just being realistic as to what could go wrong, we don't actually think that that's what's going to happen. If yeah. I'm being honest, and I'm, I don't know where you fall on this, Scotty, I am comfortable saying that I lean closer to what, we said in Monday's episode as to what's going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that everything they've done this past off season, the accumulation of what they've learned from last season is going to lead to a better season than last year. But for sure, as like, a, like back to what we just said, like we saw with the tigers, just because you're supposed to have a better year. Doesn't mean you will you play the games for a reason. Exactly. So in the end, to put a fine point on it, don't worry too much about this episode. Monday's episode was, <laughs> Monday's episode was uh, where it was at. You know, we just did a ton of time and prep, and you know, <laughs> it's just like one of our jobs. But like, oh, ignore yeah, us right now. <laughs> ignore this one. So unless we're right, unless this episode oh, well, is it, right, and then we pro- city. Yeah. yeah, 
Then, yeah, then we predicted great. it. Big brain, 46-game shutty. 46 shot. Shutty. Never forget. Uh, all right, Scotty. Any final thoughts, man? Uh, we ball. We ball. We'll be back on Friday for the new episode. Same time, same place. See your team every day. Every day.